Alright everyone, welcome to our Bad Batch episode 4 spoiler review. I believe the episode was called Cornered. Um, this is a movie change-up podcast. I'm Joe Fricky. I'm with Tristan Mayer, uh, one of the regulars and also co-founders of the normal movie change-up podcast. But this is our Bad Batch episode. We come here on every Friday night and review Bad Batch. Uh, Tristan, I've said Bad Batch like 10 times now, <laughs> so what did you think of this episode? Thought it was a good episode of Bad Batch, Joe. Really bad, uh, good Bad Batch episode. Uh, make sure I say Bad Batch a few more times just to make sure, you know, the YouTube algorithm picks us up saying Bad Batch. <laughs> bad uh, Batch. Bad Batch. Star Wars Bad Batch. But yeah, pretty good one. Not necessarily following or not advancing the plot too much, but it was a fun little adventure throwaway. And just like last week, even though it felt a bit standalone, it has little connected things for characters that moved it forward a bit so even though it was a little bit of a filler episode here it still had some nice moments to carry us through to the next one yeah that's kind of where i'm at too it's a good solid you know somewhat filler of an episode i think the main plot thing of this episode was them kind of introducing fennec shand to this series and kind of her character a little bit is kind of she's like somewhat a bounty hunter a little bit with a heart of gold but one of the things I want to say, too, is after we review each episode, we kind of have a general Star Wars discussion that connects to the episode. Uh, last week, when they had the whole War Mantle name drop, which is in Rogue One, we kind of thought and talked about what we thought some of the other names uh, of those folders in Rogue One would mean. Uh, this week, we're talking about what live-action characters we'd like to see in animation and what animated characters we'd like to see in live-action. So, if you know you hear our bad batch review and you're kind of tired of our bad batch review just know stick around that we're going to talk about some more stuff beyond bad batch so yeah i thought this was a good solid episode that introduced us to fennec shand and getting to see more of her yeah not much else to it there but it was a nice kind of introduction to her because i wasn't sure initially i thought oh she's gonna be like a one episode maybe two episode character you know but it seems to me that they're setting her up to be a reoccurring villain, at least for a few episodes here. Because she's not exactly wrapped up by the end of the episode. They leave you kind of hanging on the question of, like, oh, who hired her? Is she coming back? So it could have been a filler episode, but the fact that they're bringing her back for a few more makes me feel a little bit better about it. Like, it wasn't a huge waste of time. You're getting the first look at this character that's going to be a bit of a bigger character going forward. Yeah, one thing I will say, I know we normally save theories and speculation to the end, but I am very much cooling down on my Darth Maul is going to appear in Bad Batch Theory, at least for season one, because I feel like <laughs> if, if he was going to, we would have got some hint of it by now. So I will say, unless Fennec Shand is working directly for Crimson Dawn, then I will say she is that Darth Maul will not be in at least season one of the Bad Batch. But I have my theory of who she was talking to towards the end, but we can save that towards the end for our uh, theories and discussion. Yeah, we'll go ahead and save that. I didn't take as many notes as normal because it was a bit of a straightforward episode. It was just yeah. sort of the adventure of the week. But there were a couple moments I wrote down that I wanted to cover if you want to go ahead and get onto the notes here. Yeah, we can do that. So it's essentially a supply run episode. We've seen these a lot in the shows where they're like an excuse to get the characters onto a certain planet and off again by the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. But this time they're trying to get some kind of uh, something at... Uh, I don't even remember what they're trying to get. I just wrote down supply run because that's all I really need to know is they go yeah. into this planet to pick something up. But I thought it was interesting when they first land 
you come and you see them kind of like cheering on the empire they're like oh look we're finally uh getting saved at the end of the war you know and normally we saw like in the pre- previous episode the empire is very like threatening presence in a, in a planet where they don't really want them there and they came and they kind of disrupted the way of life and took it over but this is the first time in the show at least you've seen like people be happy to be under the empire people are like oh look finally we're, we're at peace now we're not getting stuck in the middle of this conflict we're not in the middle of some kind of war that doesn't have anything to do with us you imagine like the guy on the ground doesn't have much to do with the separatists versus the republic kind of battle and now they're just happy to have it be over with so what do you think of this introduction scene where you see people actually cheering for the stormtroopers in the empire yeah i think it directly ties into padme's line towards the end of revengeance of of the sith of so this is how liberty dies with thunderous applause like that's immediately what i went to uh when i saw them cheering for the empire and i think it's kind of a fun like juxtaposition of rebels and you know episode four kind of where people are against the empire and hate the empire and they're like they're all like downtrodden and sad and miserable and i think we're gonna see more depending on how many seasons this show goes i think we'll see more and more of that of like you know, season one, early season two, maybe all of season two, the Empire's around, people are happy and, and excited. You, we get to, like, season four, season five, I think it's going to be a lot more of, like, sad depression of the Empire. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking, too. By the time they get to the point where they're going to be a rebellion, you get, you get like, the people didn't realize what they are getting into. You know, they're like, in the first few episodes here, they're like, oh, you know, it's a regime change. You know, it's something different. It might not be perfect, but, you know, it's... It's whatever. It's the Republic. It's the Empire. What's the difference? That's the kind of idea we're getting from a lot of the characters here. So, and then once you get to the point, like you said, in New Hope, where there are people ready to rebel, you really get that change in tone from people who are not just seeing this as one new leader, but as like an oppressor that they have to stop. So I think that's something yeah. that'll be fun to see the growth between this and, like you said, Rebels, where they're much more downtrodden and under the boot of the Empire more. Yeah. More like Jenner, so just like her famous quotable line I rebel yep one of the best lines that was not in the movie <laughs> you can tell when that trailer came out they were so proud of that line and they see, were I like th- oh never mind let's get around that one <laughs> see I fully think that was a trailer line if they specifically recorded that for the trailer because I know the shot of her in the tunnel was supposedly recorded solely for the trailer too yeah well uh, but you know that's Rogue One. This is that's Rogue Bad One. Batch discussion. This is Bad Batch. It's connected in some ways, probably more than not in some yeah. situations. But one thing that I mentioned, and that actually is connected to Rogue One a bit, is that we're seeing our main characters here kind of really bend the rules of the galaxy. Like, especially in this episode, mm-hmm. the Empire is not really the bad guys. It's more like the Bad Batch are yeah, the but... ones breaking the rules. The Bad yeah. Batch are the ones kind mm-hmm. of like intimidating as someone into... We have the moment where they're, they're convincing Echo, or they're convincing a dealer that Echo's a robot, and they're, they're a droid, sorry, in Star Wars lingo, it's droid. <laughs> and they're selling uh, Echo to this to this dealer. So we're seeing a bunch of moments in this first act here where the Bad Batch is sort of bending the rules, whether it's uh, intimidating that guy not to search their, search their, uh, their ship, whether it's lying to the dealer and saying, oh, this is a robot, we're going to steal him back and take your 2,000 credits or 3,000 credits. We're seeing our main characters really start to bend the rules to survive while they're out on their own here. 
Yeah, I really like that. You know, it kind of sucked that they were screwing that random guy over. You know, he didn't really do anything wrong. Like the one the one guy that owned the yard where they were like, oh, you know, we'll pay you money and look the other way. And then he immediately sold him out. I don't care that that guy maybe got screwed over. Fuck that guy. But the like random dealer just trying to make a living, like they kind of sucked for him. He didn't do anything yeah, wrong. Yeah, that guy I, didn't do much. He's just trying to make his living on this empire run planet, you know? I will say I thought for sure because they do have the gonk droid that's just like there on the ship that really plays no part in the show. I thought they were definitely going to, I wouldn't say steal one of the droids, but I thought one of the droids would like still lay on their ship and just become part of the show. (laughs) That would have been interesting because they do need like a droid character so they don't have one of those kind of comic relief kind of side characters. I mean, they do have... I think what they did is, like, Wrecker is, like, their comic relief side character, and then anytime they need, like, a droid to do anything, they have Echo. So, I don't know if the show necessarily needs a droid, I guess, thinking about it, but I just... When I saw all those droids and them th- them going towards the ship, I, I, my immediate thought was, like, okay, one of those droids is staying and being part of the show. But, <laughs> apparently not. Apparently not. We've already got enough people on the Bad Batch, you know. we got to kill off at least one before we start adding more. Yeah, R.I.P. Wrecker. <laughs> there was a moment, we're jumping ahead a bit, but when Wrecker's the one that for a second saves Omega in the in the, in the tunnels, I had a, a moment of fear where I thought, oh, God, this is the moment where I go, his, uh, his, I mean, uh, Wrecker's chip's going to come back on. He's going to betray Omega. Um, now that they've established that little tiny little thing last week, it's like every moment with Wrecker and Omega, I had this little tinge in my head of like, oh god, this is going to be it. It's going to twist right here and he's going to give her up. Part of me has like this slight feeling that they're going to Game of Thrones season one us where we think Tracker is the main character of this show and it's he's the one whose Order 66 ship activates and they have to kill him and or he sacrifices himself and end of season one it's tracker that dies that would be interesting i would like that honestly i think this show is on the edge to now in the first season where i'm wondering like, okay how, how far is gonna go how there, how there are some gonna go? there are some dark moments like they are killing random civilians like there were moments in that chase scene where uh i keep wanting to call her zam wessel but uh <laughs> from attack of the clones but uh fennec shand shoots a guy a random guy or I think he might have been a cop. But still, like a guy just out doing his job, not involved at all, shoots him through the windshield of his speeder, and you see the blaster wound in his chest, and he just flies off of his speeder. And I'm like, is this supposed to be a kid's show? Because right now it does not feel like a kid's show. Yeah, this is definitely getting quickly into that like late-season Clone Wars kind of darkness where the main characters are just killing people. <laughs> yeah. Especially with Phoenix Shan. Obviously, she's the bad guy of the episode, but... She's not, like, an entirely a bad character no, in like the overall there's... scheme of Star Wars. You know, she's someone that they root for in other shows. Yeah, there was a moment where she, like, dropped Omega and she was, like, tuck and roll. And that was, like, a moment, very much a moment of allowing Omega to live, even if it meant she got away. Yeah, we're getting these moments where Fennec Shan is humanizing a little bit. Yeah. And we know in, in Mandalorian that she starts off as a villain character, but she's kind of a grows into a bit of like a uh, ally by the end of the second yeah. season so yeah. I think we'll get some growth for her in this assuming that she comes back for at least one or two more episodes I'll probably get a couple of those scenes between her and Omega I think they built that connection up a bit this week where when we see her again it may be a less 
stressful situation, they might have like a mother daughter kind of mm-hmm. or relationship, maybe like a role model type relationship, yeah. similar to Maul and Ezra, maybe from Rebels, where she's like the the bad girl on Omega's shoulder a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And one thing I was going to ask too, so Omega gave her the offer of becoming part of the Bad Batch. Do you think that offer will ever come up again? Do you think there's a potential if any of the Bad Batch were to die that Fennec Shand will be the one to kind of take their place? I don't think she's going to fill the team necessarily. I think the offer will come back. It'll be like that thing where it's like, oh, maybe you can join us. And then she says, no, sorry, kid, I work alone, that kind of thing. (laughs) I don't think that she's too much of like a legacy character to bring in. And I think... We've already talked about how there's a bit too much of like a Mandalorian feel to some of this stuff, even yeah. in this episode where it's like Omega is like the MacGuffin of everybody's trying to come get Omega. So now we have a bounty hunter coming after her. And that, I think if you end up bringing Finnick Shan, who's a character on Mandalorian, onto this show, it'll feel even more so like a Mandalorian kind of ripoff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think they probably will re away from that. But I do think the offer will come back up and she'll turn it down in the next episode yeah. or two when she comes back. One of the things I'm curious about is because animation takes a lot longer to do than live action. So part of me wonders, where did Fennec Shand originate? Did she originate in Bad Batch and they put her in Mandalorian? And because, you know, live action is quicker to film and release, it just came out first? Or, you know, was she in the Mandalorian scripts first and they also put her in Bad Batch? My prediction is that she was in Mando first because they they brought Ming Na Wen back from the show to the voice, yeah. you know, and I think I for, that's a she, bit of a big name. She was in season the one. voice character. Yeah, she was I in forgot, that one, one episode of season one. I forgot. One. She was in season one. Okay. Yeah, that fits then. And I, I, would, I could imagine maybe her coming back for season two was coordinated with the show where they said, okay, we're going to have her in Mandalorian and we're also going to have her in Bad Batch. It was sort of like a simultaneous mm-hmm. decision to have this crossover character because I do talk about it even later in the episode that they're gonna they're having a lot of crossover yeah. between these two in different styles of the universe you know we have some animated characters that are showing up in the mandalorian that are showing up in the movies that are showing up in other mm-hmm. stuff yeah. so i think that was probably a coordinated thing that oh she's gonna be in season two of mando so let's put her in season one of bad badge also yeah. and she'll be of course in book of boba fett too yeah i think she's gonna be a big part i think she's gonna be like a main cast member of Book of Boba Fett. Like, I think she's going to be in every episode. That's what I'm thinking. I One or two episodes here, and then a pretty big character of Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah I think she'll... Yeah, if we can wait for predictions. I was going to ask how much of a role do you think she's going to play moving forward in this in this season, but we can... Yeah, more than I expected, but yeah, we'll get to that a bit towards the end here. I want to talk a bit, because in this whole plan here... Echo is not, like, super present as a character. I'm starting to buy into a theory maybe that Echo isn't long for this world as a team member. (laughs) I think there's there's a lot less present of him in this episode early on where he has his his role in in the plot, I guess, like as a plot device, literally. But I don't know. I'm starting to buy into maybe that he's the one that gets the gets gets knocked off by the end of the season because I'm, yeah. I'm i'm wondering maybe if this season is not gonna be without the death of at least one bad batch member yeah I, ju- I just think with the fact of d bradley baker voicing all of them cutting one of them doesn't mean you have to fire anybody or anyone goes away and i just think it's very possible one of them dies and if i if i were to rank the order in which they die 
as much as I said, oh, what if they, what if it's Game of Thrones season one, and Hunter dies? My ranking is Wrecker one, Crosshair two, Echo three, Tech four, Hunter five. Interesting, yeah. And I Omega, think Omega is towards the top there. Omega is is plot armor. Omega will not die. She might go back to Kamino or might go off and live her own life, but she's not gonna die. That would be a big twist. I don't think the show is dark enough to kill off Omega. <laughs> yeah. But you never know. What if her age acceleration is like four times faster than everyone else's or like five times faster or six times faster or something and she's literally like two months old. Yep, she comes back next season and she's played by like a She's you know, like middle age or something. Yeah. <laughs> she's kind of the plot device of the episode here. She's the one that kind of kicks off the action by getting lost in yeah. this planet and chased by the bounty hunter. She's sort of like, especially in this episode, but even in the last episode, she's been used a lot as like the device that gets the yeah. plot moving and the not necessarily damsel in distress, but the the one that needs to be yeah. rescued still. You know, she uh, she's holds her own, but she's still the one that the plot needs to kind of revolve around. But the plot was a different structure this episode because it wasn't everyone else failed at their job and Omega had to step in at the end and save everybody. Like this is not that. So I, I I'm okay with the overall plot of this episode. Yeah, I didn't think it was uh, that much of a retread because I was worried about that. Like, oh, another Omega centric episode I, I wonder if people are going to start getting a little tired of Omega being like the forefront of the focus here or the Bad Batch yeah. show that's not really seeming to be about much the Bad Batch all that much yeah. <laughs> but they did it alright this episode I like that like I said she's not entirely a damsel in distress she's able to hold her own even up against Phoenix Chan she's able to kind of escape and use her wits to keep herself alive and keep herself afloat yeah. and they're doing a good job with Omega, I think, and not making her too much of like a one-note character that needs to be saved, or one that is so independent and so unprotectable that you know she's she's just like unrealistically good at fighting or something like that. You always wonder, like, when oh, they're this new child character is going to fight Phoenix Shan and like win. <laughs> yeah. But they did a good job making it believable that she's like barely a step ahead of her and kind of keeping herself afloat, barely on this chase. Yeah. Yeah, she's more... Yeah, it was never unbelievable. Like, everything was more... It was like Home Alone logic. Like, if you can buy into Home Alone, you can buy into this. I'm curious a little bit on your thoughts of this planet, too. It reminded me a bit... It gave me vibes of Batuu at first. Like, and I was like, did I miss it? And they're actually yeah. all right, Batuu? Batu, no, I know this... from uh, uh, Galaxy's Edge. I looked. This planet was in, a, in an episode of Clone Wars. Oh, it was. Yeah. I'm gonna look it up. Pantora Star Wars. This yeah, More this episode was in an episode of Clone Wars. I got. Uh, I have to find it. Um, but there were definitely vibes from some of those hallways and th things of what it was like to walk around in uh, the Black Spire Outpost. You know, how you had these little tiny shops sticking around that were selling the little bit trinkets and their their theme aliens walking around and that kind of stuff. It gave me. So that's kind of what Batu goes for in, in that park goes for Galaxy's Edge is just like you're at this random outpost in the Star Wars universe and you're just walking around <laughs> so this felt yeah. like very much in the world of that 
Yeah, basically it's an Ahsoka-centric episode. That's where it's from. It's technically actually a moon and not a planet, even though sometimes it is referred to as a planet. So I wonder if it's one of those situations where the planet it spins around is, you know, dead or desolate, and you can't really, like, live there, but you can live on the moon, so people just kind of refer to the moon as a planet, even though it's not. Like, uh, like Endor? Yeah. Which Endor, technically not the name of... No, we've never actually seen Endor because it's the moon of Endor, you know, but <laughs> people can't listen when they watch a movie, so they think that's a place called Endor when it's not. We don't we don't know what that place is called. It's a moon of Endor. Yeah, we gotta be very specific in our Star Wars lore. You yeah. know, people will correct us in the comments if we're even slightly wrong. Yep, sign that dick. <laughs> My people will correct us. I mean, Joe will correct us. He'll go yeah. in there and get mad and say, yeah. "Guys, technically, it's a yeah. it's a moon of Endor." Yep, for sure. <laughs> what did you think of the relationship here between Phoenix Shan and Omega? We mentioned it a little bit earlier, but they had yeah, a, definitely... a, a slightly playful relationship a bit, but you know, not quite. One of the things I was thinking on my rewatch, and I was thinking about a little bit while I was at work today, was if the Bad Batch wasn't as good as they are and Fennec Shand was able to get Omega and take her back to who I think she was talking to I think we very much could have had a Din Djarin Grogu situation of before she gets her back to where she's supposed to go Din you know Fennec Shand has like a realization of like the plans that they have for this girl probably not the best and so it's mm -hmm. more of like a mother daughter type on the run but the Bad Batch got her back, defeated Fennec Shand, and that wasn't able to happen. But that's my thought process. I'm still wondering maybe in a future episode if we'll have some kind of falling out between Omega and the and the Bad Batch. Maybe we'll have some conflict over how much they're letting her uh, how much they're letting her be free versus being checked is and that kind of stuff. Like yeah. typical drama and then maybe that'll be the moment where Fennec Shand returns and maybe Omega leaves voluntarily or something like that and goes away with Finnick Shand and that's like the arc we get when Finnick returns but it's a bit of a prediction I just think I was surprised to see their relationship play out how it did in this episode where they have that bit of a that moment where they say row and you hit the ground type thing and yeah. I'm sure that wasn't a one-off moment I'm sure that's there for when she returns they're gonna follow up on that and I think continue to build that relationship and I wouldn't be surprised to see her turn even this like a moment of anger away from the Bad Batch and, and joining Phoenix Shan. Yeah. yeah, I could definitely see a moment of someone like Tech or Echo who doesn't have the best relationship. Well, uh, Tech, because Tech says a lot of dumb shit that's like kind of dickish, where Tech says something about um, Omega slowing them down, or maybe they couldn't take a job because they had to, you know, watch over Omega. And. Uh, Omega hears Tech saying some bullshit and she gets mad and upset and boom, here you know, Fen or Fennec Shand is there to welcome Omega with open arms. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. They have that relationship where she's kind of like not treating her like a kid, you know, make it, giving her the respect she thinks she deserves as like a powerful person and as a leader and someone that can hold her own in these fights. Yeah. And if she ever has a moment where the Bad Batch isn't giving her that level of respect and is treating her too much like a kid, I could see her turning against him a bit for a moment. Yeah. And we, 
I had just the last question written down here. The one that the show kind of leaves us hanging on here is who hired Finnick Chan? I, I didn't necessarily think it was going to be a question they wanted us to ask, but now they're making it a question. So what do you think? I think it's one of two. Wishful thinking, hopeful thinking is it's Crimson Dawn, whether it's uh, What's-His-Face's character, um, Vision, whose name I'm blanking on. Paul Bettany. Yeah, Paul Bettany, whose name I forget in Solo. Because I'm fucking bad with names. Or yeah, Maul. you know, Solo. I forgot everything about Solo pretty much, so I don't blame you. Whatever. His character <laughs> from Solo or Maul. Or just, like, the Kaminoans. I don't think it's the Empire, because I'm 99% sure the Empire doesn't know that Omega exists. Because they said that in Episode 1 of that. Uh, the Empire thinks Echo is part of the original five Bad Batch members, when really it's, you know, the four plus Omega are the original five. So, I think, I think uh, it's definitely the Kaminoans or potentially Maul slash, what's this, Dryden Voss, there we go. Maul and Dryden Voss working for the Kaminoans. Yeah, because initially my thought was, oh, the Kaminoans hired her, but when they make it a question at the end, it makes me wonder, like, they're probably going to do more than just the Kaminoans did it, because that's the obvious answer like that's what i kind of assumed from the premise of the episode so if they're making it a question it makes me think they're probably going to go a little bit out of the ordinary with it so i'm i'm leaning to crimson dawn i think maybe not maul himself but i do think it'll be quinlan voss i think he said his name was dryden voss quinlan voss is a well as a jedi you know you know they can't even come up with more than one last name it could be no, Quinlan Voss. It could be Quinlan Voss because <laughs> he is still alive post Order sixty six. It could be Quinlan Voss. Mm. You know that, that would be a twist. Just had an but, idea. All right, we'll save that for later. <laughs> I do think that uh, that would be a good because it's they wouldn't make it the Cameron Owens if they made it a question at the end. That's too much of an easy answer. There isn't really a, a twist there, you know. Mm-hmm. So I could see it being Crimson Dawn, but not necessarily Maul. Maybe it's just Crimson Dawn, and we get that hint of, oh, Maul is actually involved in this plot tangentially, so they can come back in Season yeah. 2, Season 3. Yeah, but if because... you get a Quinlan Va- or you get a uh, Crimson Dawn appearance, you get that little bit of a setup here. That could be exciting. Because it makes me wonder how much how much did Maul know when it came to Order 66 and everything with the clones. Because like, timeline-wise, he was around when the clone army was ordered. Um. So, how much did he know? How much was he ever like a go between between Sidious and the Kaminoans to the point that he knew Omega existed? And if she is a force sensitive clone, is there was that potentially like he knew about it and he, you know, neglected on purpose to tell Sidious that the Kaminoans are working on a force sensitive clone. You know, the Republic falls, he's not 100% sure what's going on, but he has an idea where a Force-sensitive, you know, ultimate fighting machine is, probably would attract Maul, so I could see where he might, you know, try to go after it. But I could also very easily just be like, oh, this, you have to remember, this is a show for 12-year-olds, and, like, they try to make an air of mystery, but turns out, Scaminoans. <laughs> That's true, it is, a kid, it is a show for kids, so what I think is a twist might not necessarily work yeah. for kids yeah like to a 12 year old it might be a big shock oh my god the Kaminoans are trying to find omega we're us at like you know <laughs> mid to late 20s at like yeah kind of duh yeah 
Oh, one of the things I was thinking I had just remembered now. So, uh, the Kaminoans in the last episode said they had a plot to lure the Bad Batch back, right? So what if they hired Fennec Shand to go after Omega, knowing Fennec Shand would lose, but it would make the Bad Batch feel nervous and feel like they couldn't protect Omega, so where do they take Omega? Right back to the Kaminoans, being like, <laughs> we can't protect her, someone's coming after her, you need to watch her, and the Kaminoans are like, thanks, great, we'll get on that. Yeah, we'll do that for you guys, if it, if yeah. it helps. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think they necessarily, like, the Bad Bash doesn't see the Kaminoans as the bad guys, right? Like, Omega just kind of left with them, and they were like, sure, I could be wrong. Yeah, they haven't really gotten to the point where they see the Kaminoans as bad. So I do wonder what... There's going to have to be a turning point where the secret plot of the Kaminoans becomes a bit more known, not just to us, but to the to the Bad Badge. They need to get an mm. idea of the stakes of their deal here with Omega. Yeah. But yeah, that's my theory, is... That's my... If it's not Crimson Dawn, that's what I think it is. It's that the Kaminoans hired... Uh, Fennec Shand to essentially drive the Bad Batch and Omega back to Kamino. Yeah, my thought is it's probably going to be Crimson or it, Crimson Dawn's where I'm leaning, but I'm not going to say probably them. I, I, it's probably someone. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. You're like 51, 49. Yeah. I'm also thinking it could be Sidious because I know at this point he's been looking for four sensitive children and we know he's going to be sending in the Inquisitors in a few years and even back in the Clone Wars, he had a whole thing of looking for Force-sensitive kids. So I could see it being a twist of, oh, it's not the Kaminoans, it's like the Empire himself who's beginning a secret mission to take on these Children of the Force type yeah. things. So that could be where they go for it. It's a slight twist. It's not exactly you think it's going to be where it's, it's not the Kaminoans, it's not just like the Empire, it's the Emperor himself on the secret mission. So that could be where they go with it. We haven't yeah. seen the we saw the Empire in the first episode, but we haven't seen him like in the flesh really in the show. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards Crimson Dawn, but we'll see. Alright. I, I wouldn't hate it. They're my second pick of who I think it actually is. I'm like seventy percent Camino, thirty percent Crim Okay, I'm sixty five percent Camino, thirty percent uh Crimson Dawn, five percent somebody else. We'll find out soon, I'm sure, because they yeah. definitely set it up for her to be returning sooner than later. You yeah. know, it wasn't one of those things like, oh, we'll see yeah, her this in is two re- seasons, you know. I'm I'm thinking more we'll see her next episode than we won't see her until next season. Like, it's more likely we see her next episode than not until next season. Yeah, I definitely think we get maybe one or two episodes between then and now, but I definitely think within four or five episodes she's back yeah. and we've gotten this, this answer to this question. Yeah. The, the vibe I'm getting is she'll be somewhat antagonistic for one or two more, I would say two more episodes this season, and then she'll be an ally in either the penultimate episode or the season finale. In some way, mm-hmm. she, will, she will help them in either the penultimate episode or the season finale. Yeah, I wonder maybe we'll see her and Crosshair do his turns in, some, in the same episode. You know, yeah. it could be that kind of a thing where these characters you think are bad and do, destined for one way or because yeah. in Star Wars, you have these moments of hope where characters can turn and see the good in something and become good themselves. So, Phoenix Shan, let's think think is going to become like a good guy. 
But we think... know by the time we get to Mando, she at least has some some good in her, you know. Yeah. Do you think we'll have a uh, opening moments of Terminator Two Judgment Day where we have, you know, Omega is essentially John Connor, and we have the T one or the what is it the T T one thousand and the T whatever the fuck Arnold Schwarzenegger was. <laughs> You know, and they're both looking for John Connor, aka Omega, and one of them's like Crosshair or uh, Fennec Shand, and the other one's maybe a new character. And we think the new character's there to defend Omega, but then Fennec Shand or Crosshair takes that character out to defend Omega. Do you think we get a moment like that? Because I love a moment like that. That'd be pretty dope. <laughs> I think it would be awesome to see, even if it's like Crosshair and Fennec Shand fighting yeah. or something like that. You know. I would just love to see more Phoenix Shan. I didn't yeah. think I was super into the character coming in. I thought, oh, it's going to be like just that one-off episode where it's like, oh, here's our special episode of the week where Phoenix Shan shows up and learns a lesson. But it seems like she's set up for more episodes, so I'm looking forward to seeing more from her. And I think it's exciting to see these connective characters that are small roles in one thing and small roles in another thing. So you don't necessarily have to watch this to get no book of boba fett or something like that but when you when you do you're gonna have this extra little excitement where you've seen her on this adventure a few years beforehand where you've seen like what she's like in action yeah and also t-800 that's arnold schwarzenegger's terminator there you go the t-800 and the t-1000 yeah i love crosshairs like the t-800 and then like a new character come in as like the arnold and you think they're after omega and crosshairs there are there to defend omega and you think Crosshair's there to take her out, and then boom, it's a switcheroo. Crosshair defense. That'd be pretty good. Maybe the other character's Maul, you know? Yeah, but if Maul's coming in, I don't, I'm not buying him as the good guy here <laughs> to defend Omega. Yeah, like Maul's here to save What if day. it's, oh my god, what if it's Mace Windu who's there to, like, who's gone to the dark side? Oh, wow, that would be the reveal. You see, Mace Windu's in danger, Crosshair's coming after, and then you see, you know, you see Mace Windu and Crosshair both looking for Omega. And then Mace Windu draws his lightsaber, goes to swing it. You think he's going to swing it at Crosshair, goes to swing it at Omega, and Crosshair shoots him in the fucking face. Could be Obi-Wan, you know? For the show, it turns out Obi-Wan's a bad guy now. Yeah, <laughs> no. Uh, unsubscribe. That would be a pull. I don't know about yeah. that. I'm, I'm trying to defend Disney the best I can these last couple of years. You know, they've had a rough run. Yeah. But that would be a bit of a too big of a risk for me to be defending here. <laughs> yeah, Mace Windu going to the dark side and doing all that, I can see though. I mean, yeah, I don't know how much they're gonna do reveals that big on this animated yeah. show that they aren't even advertising. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of the appeal of it, you know. They could pull something big like that randomly one week, and all of a sudden, people are tweeting about Bad Batch, tweeting about Mace Windu, tweeting about whatever, and then it gets yeah. to the watch, you know. Well, they did put out a thing. Disney put out a thing like a week or two ago of like characters that people thought were dead. It was like a montage of like different Star Wars characters, but they were all characters that were like the fans thought were dead and came back. It was like Maul, Boba Fett, um, what's her face, uh, from the sequel trilogy. Ray. No. <laughs> the Gwendolyn Christie's Captain oh, Phasma. Captain Cap Phasma. Captain yes. Phasma. There was another one too, and then Mace Windu was in that montage too, and every single one of those characters were characters that like died on screen and then came back. 
And so people are like, wait, is there like a plan in place for Mace Windu like to come back alive? <laughs> Turns out Mace Windu oh, is teasing us. Yeah, Mace Windu, the main antagonist of Bad Batch. Yeah, I mean, it, I would love to see Mace Windu back. If all, I mean, that'd be such a random pull to bring up in some something like yeah. this. I don't know about this show. Maybe he'll be in Mandalorian or Obi Wan or something like that. But it would be a fun pull. I think Samuel L. Jackson was like a such a waste in those prequel movies. You know, he had such a great actor, yeah. such a dynamic and kind of engaging actor, and you're having him play such a boring character. Yeah. That's all I've got for this episode, though. Uh, do you have any final thoughts as you wrap up? No, pretty I think simple we. Plot? I think we pretty much covered everything that we needed to cover about this episode. I think any any idea predictions at all about what next week's episode will be because I really don't have much. I think it's gonna be them maybe doing like going on some kind of mission to get more credits, but that's about it. Yeah, I could see them doing the first kind of mercenary mission at this point because they've spent a lot of money this episode getting what they needed and getting out of that problem. So I could see them. We've been talking about them being mercenaries, and they, we haven't gotten that yet. Yeah. So I'd like to see that kind of. What is their state of the gut? What are what are they doing day to day? A bit kind of like a slowdown episode, yeah. where we we see like how are they ma- managing this and what are their. I would like to see some character moments too, like some interactions between Omega and Echo and Omega and some of the characters we haven't gotten a ton of time with. Yeah. We've had a lot of on the on the run kind of stuff, so it would be fun to just get a second to. Catch up on the characters, catch up on how they're feeling about it, maybe get some more crosshair seeing me. When it was still without crosshair, and, and then maybe next episode he's back again, you know, something like that. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to yeah. it. I'm, I'm into the show so far. I like this episode. Even if it was just a bit of a slower filler episode, it oh. had good moments I liked a lot, so I can't wait for the next one. All right, yeah. Yeah, I'm ready to move on to our next uh, discussion that kind of covers a bigger idea of Star Wars and with Fennec Shand coming from Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett to uh, Bad Batch coming from live action to animation we wanted to talk about what are some other characters we'd love to see come from live action to animation and then we'll probably transfer to what animated characters we'd love to see in live action so Tristan I'll let you kick it off any live action characters you'd love to see come into animation yeah I was thinking about this a bit because there's a few that I think would make fun a crossover and then a few that I also think would make like interesting and relevant kind of crossover so I tried to narrow it down but I think mostly I think it's time to start bringing in some sequel characters into this stuff Yeah, I think it's uh, the same way that the Clone Wars and to an extent Rebels was able to turn the prequel movies into something that people didn't like into something people did by using the characters well and expanding their arcs and giving us time we didn't necessarily get in the movies. And I think a character that could benefit a lot from that is Maz Katana. I'm not sure if she was in Resistance or not, but my, my Resistance like barely counts as, a, <laughs> as an animated show. The only ones I can remember being in what I remember of Resistance are Poe, Captain Phasma, and I. people can watch this and blame Disney for coming up with like non-memorable Star Wars character names. It's also mostly just garbage with names, but uh, Ginger Guy... That guy, the the, the spy from yeah. Sky I'm Longer. the spy. Yeah, that guy. He was in a couple episodes. Yeah, him, Phasma, and Poe. Maskatana will be fun for me because she has that kind of like worldly yeah. uh, look to her character. Like she's been around the block a few times. You know, she has this yeah. history with a lot of different kind of underworld type characters. I think 
it'd be a place I could see the Bad Batch stopping off for an episode of Mahatana's oh, yeah. Temple or something like that and just getting like a nice adventure with her. Maybe she hires him on for some kind of job and we get like a one-off thing of Maskatana. And she had that line and then Force Awakens, like, oh, a good story for another time. You know, and I think it's time, you know, give us that, give us that good story. Let us see what Maskatana was up to at this point in the galaxy. Maybe you don't explain the hand thing. Or maybe, not the hand thing, the, the lightsaber thing. The hand thing is in the comic books, totally different storyline. But yeah, I would like to see Maskatana show up. I think she could fit into this world pretty well. She has the underworld history, but she also has that kind of slightly kitty look to her, the alien aesthetic, and I think she'd fit perfectly into the Bad Batch world, so that's my hope for a crossover character. I would love to see Maskatana. I'd also like Cobb Vanth. He's only had the one episode in Mandalorian, but I loved it. He kind of blew me away in that episode. I would like to see him come back for another one-off here, you know? Yeah. My... So, yeah, Maz Kanata technically was an animation, because I know Disney did a... did, like, those shorts thing for a while, but I don't really count it, because it's not, like, a show or, like, an animated movie or anything. But... So I'm not like, oh, your pick's bad, because it's like, we saw it for, like, <laughs> ten seconds. But, uh, if you don't know the... the suit, or the costume, or whatever, that Princess Leia wears in Return of the Jedi to sneak into... Jabba's uh, palace she got from Maz Kanata. Interesting. That says canon now? Yeah, that's <laughs> canon. Okay. So. That's in, that's in the animated show? Their, their little short thing? Yeah, their little short. It it's called, like, yeah, Forces of Destiny that they, like, focused on, like, the women in Star Wars and stuff. Interesting choice to make, you know? <laughs> but, like, I'm fine with because they established in the move, in the force awakens that han and maz were old friends so i imagine at some point leia and her crossed paths when i saw it i'm like oh okay like it wasn't like a what those two characters interacted i'm like oh, that's sense. a very star wars thing to do they're like let's let's figure out a way to shoehorn this in and be like well there was a line where yeah. she said this thing so it works yeah. yeah so for me my my two things so i feel like a lot of the is that is that all the ones you had or that's pretty much all i had i would yeah. love to see a Snoke appearance somewhere in the world of this, but yeah. I think that's more of a Mandalorian thing than, yeah. a, than an animated thing. So for me, the two animated shows I want the most are, number one, I want like three, four seasons on like the rise, you know, the prime and the fall of Crimson Dawn. That's what I want. I think number one with, you know, Maul being a big central focus, I think it would work best in animated I'd like a, you know, relatively darker tone. I think the tone of the Bad Batch would work fine for something like that. And so with that, you know, you'd get Kira and stuff like that in animated, you know, animation form. Technically, Dryden Boss, we got, you know, in the background of a scene in Clone Wars Season 7 in animation. But we get him too, so I'd want that show. And then you were saying sequel. One of the shows that I think would help because help people with their thoughts on Luke in episode 8 is because we never saw Prime Luke we saw Luke become Prime Luke in Return of the Jedi and then we saw post Prime Luke in episode I mean technically 7-2 but we saw post Prime Luke in episode 8 and I think if we saw Prime Luke even if it's in an animated show I think it would help you know show the juxtaposition of 
like how far he's fallen in episode eight and i think a show that's like called like jedi academy or luke's academy or something that the first episode is han and leia dropping ben solo off and the final episode of the series is ben attacking the temple and like the whole show and you can foreshadow it and you can have like those moments and people say oh it won't work because you know like he's going to the dark side like to me clone wars worked and you knew the entire time that anakin was gonna fall to the dark side and i think you could i mean because there's no war going on you can have a different tone of the show i almost think you could go more of like an indiana jones type feel where they're not like one central location and it's him and luke and whatever other students going on missions and you know finding artifacts and going into sith temples going into jedi temples i think that could be kind of a fun thing you could introduce snoke that way i know you said save snoke for mandalorian but i think you could introduce snoke there in that show as maybe he passes hears about luke's temple and he you know passes through and maybe has an episode where he gives advice and luke kind of says like hey appreciate you coming by but i think you'd best if you just kind of went your own way so i think that'd be kind of a fun way you'd get ben solo in animation who I teched, who I think technically was in Resistance, but we saw Kylo Ren in animation. We didn't see Ben Solo. I would like that a lot. I think that's, like you said, it's a big gap to fill in that moment of Luke doing that training and raising the people in that fall. Like That's the whole storyline I think people expected to see in the sequels, and I think a lot of the disappointment out of Last Jedi and the sequels in general is that it wasn't what they thought the story was. They didn't get necessarily what they were going and thinking they were going to get, and there was this whole interesting backstory that they could have told the story about (laughs) but instead they were focusing on this time when Luke was a hermit and these characters that we didn't know and I can understand why as an audience member if you wanted to see that storyline play out and you didn't get it why that would be frustrating so I think even just like a miniseries something like that where it's like oh we're going to give you like a 10 episode thing of the rise and fall of Luke's academy and the downfall of Kylo Ren that kind of thing yeah that could be really interesting. I know they've done a, a bit of development on Kylo Ren and Snoke on the, in the comic books. Between then and now, they've had an interesting Kylo Ren uh, comic book arc that was really good. So I could see them drawing from that yeah. and making a... Because like you've seen in this show, they can take the, the basis of a comic book storyline just kind of like do their own thing with it like they did with Kanan. Yeah. So I'd be happy to see them take like a Kylo Ren rise of Kylo Ren type storyline... Yeah and tell that in the animated form. That would be yeah. great for me. Yeah, I like that a lot because, like I said in my answer, I think the sequels are in a point now where an animated show could come in and, and show the good that is there. And similar to the prequels, make us kind of just forget the bad a little bit and overlook it or see the charm in it. You know, I go back and I watch the prequels now and I see all the problems are still there. You know, the dialogue is pretty bad. The, the effects can be pretty bad. But all that in the end added up to a bit more charming than it was just because of the Clone Wars. Yeah. So I'd be excited to see them give some time to those characters here in the animated form. And one character or one thing we talked about earlier before we go to animated characters we'd like to see in live action is uh, you name dropped Quinlan Voss, meaning Dryden Voss, when you meant to say Dryden <laughs> Voss. I think he'd be great to pop up in Bad Batch now that we know he survived Order 66. I think him, you know, popping up in an episode would be pretty good yeah i liked him a lot he was one of the fun characters he had that he had a really good episode of clone wars yeah i think he's kind of an embodiment of how you can take a character that's like a non-character 
Yeah. Like he does what a background yeah, shot he in was, Phantom Menace. Yeah, he's an extra in the Phantom Menace. <laughs> they went from an extra that looked cool to a developed character that has like a whole dynamic. Yeah. I think that's just a really great writing and I would love to see him come back. Yeah. Alright, is there any animated characters uh you'd like to see move to live action? Because I have two. I'm gonna steal one that I think you probably would mention. And I think Honda would be a great <sighs> live action appearance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you go to the, I know I talked about Galaxy Edge a hundred times on the show, but it's good. I just, it comes up every episode. I feel like this has a Galaxy Edge kind of vibe to it in the show. But Honda is a big presence in the Galaxy's Edge park. He has an animatronic that you can interact with, and when you're waiting in line and the ride, you know they have those characters that come on the speaker sometimes and like tell you the rules and that kind of stuff and. Uh, Hondo comes up and tells you that kind of stuff so he's very present you tell he's around in the sequel era so he, we know that he makes it all the way to the sequel era <laughs> of course Hondo would you know he seems like the character that would always weasel the way out of death for you know a hundred years at this point he's going to be around yeah. so I would love to see him make an appearance I would assume he's a guy who would you know if you if you had me guess I would have thought he'd be a Mando by now but they're making us wait a little bit you know season three I'd have to imagine maybe Maybe Book yeah. of Boba Fett. Yeah. But now that we've figured we've gotten past the Grogu plot, maybe it's time for a Hondo appearance. You know, it could be a good way to get Dinjar in some work. You know, maybe um, get yeah, some you know. some jobs from Hondo. Maybe now that he's moving on to a different section of the galaxy, who knows? But I think Hondo will be a good live action appearance. Yeah, Hondo is kind of my number one pick, and then my if you don't have anyone else, my number two pick would be very easy to get. Would love to see him in the Ahsoka show, and that's uh, Captain Rex. In live action that would be good i think for sure the ahsoka shows where you're gonna get I, now that you mention it i feel like that's almost a, like a guarantee they already yeah. have tomorrow marison like on the payroll yeah you know so how hard would it be to be like okay this week you're filming for ahsoka and yeah. this week you're filming for boba fett and he's like okay whatever pay me the paychecks <laughs> and i'll just say the line as long as the check's clear i'm good to go yeah he's like what's the difference between boba fett and rex rex is like has happiness in his life and smiles occasionally got it uh, that would be a good pull i i think a lot of the clones were such a minimal presence in the I mean they were there but they weren't developed really at all in the yeah. in the prequels they were just kind of CG characters so I would like to see some clone appearances in these especially the Ahsoka show I think that's the, the place to do it but maybe even the Obi-Wan show I could see him running into like a rundown Captain Rex somewhere you know that could be an interesting development yeah maybe he's maybe Rex is like doesn't I mean he might be a little too old but I guess you could age tomorrow Morrison down a little bit with makeup but you know have him you know have a spark back in his life and be the reason he goes and tries to find Wolf and Gregor and those guys that we know he's been hanging out with and during when we find him in Rebels yeah I think a clone appearance should be great I I think Captain Rex is the one to do it because he's like the the clone people know you know yeah any anybody else you'd like to see even even small characters i'm trying to think so many of them i've like han solo depending on how far bad batch goes it'd be kind of interesting to see um but like if they'd have to have a couple time jumps and all that like right now there's no spot where i could see a animated han solo popping in because it's kind of weird that like i mean his story in star wars really does kind of kick off with like his movie and then 
uh, A New Hope, but but I think it would be kind of cool to see him pop in somewhere. You know, we've I would love it if they brought Alden Ehrenreich back. Yeah, we've technically had Luke, if you count him, running in the distance and Rebels. We had Princess Leia and Rebels, but we haven't had Han yet, so I think that would be kind of... Yeah, we haven't had Han of the big three. He's the only one who hasn't had at least the tiniest animated appearance. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, I mean, with Clone Wars and stuff and Rebels and Resistance, pretty much a lot of the live-action characters have had animated appearances. Yeah, you wouldn't think about it, but this show, this franchise essentially has done a really good job of bringing in characters that had the potential to be great in movies but didn't really get the depth that they yeah. could have gotten. And I think like, there's also some easy answers if you're looking for animated characters to cross over, like Thrawn. I'm, you could have said oh, yeah, Thrawn, Thrawn, but I think there's oh, like yeah. a guarantee he's going to be in a Yeah, like it's know? hard like when they've basically all but said that uh, Mina Masoud is going to play Ezra in, I assume, the Ahsoka show. And But like even like, okay, sure, Hera and Sabine would be fine. But like Kanan, like his story, as far as that needs to be told, has been told like... I wouldn't hate like maybe seeing him have a guest appearance in like Jedi Fallen Order two. I think that'd mm-hmm. be the best spot to see Kanan again. But like he essentially hides the fact that he's a Jedi and is just like a drunk at a bar until Hera finds him like a few months before Rebel starts. Like, yeah, I think if you're gonna have him show up, you have him as like that drunk at the bar you know maybe a reluctant hero for one little tiny thing where he does the right thing but it'd be hard to work that into his arc like even just not even a big moment but like uh what's his fate the main guy in fallen order i can't remember his name the character's name but he's like uh cal cal something cal castus yes yeah cal castus is at a bar and he needs like someone to pilot him and he, you know, finds Kanan Jarrus and he, like, senses the Force in him and Kanan's like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. If I'm Force-sensitive, Jedi never found me, or whatever the fuck. Yep. It's like, I don't know nothing about the Force, and I don't know nothing about no Jedi, and just kind of hides it. I, another character I think would be a fun live-action appearance is an Inquisitor of any kind. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The Grand Inquisitor I'll, I'll that would be cool, but... So one of the things that people... If not, like, people have theorized, but we've never really got, is we don't know who the first Inquisitor is, because you have, like, second brother and, like, seventh sister and all that. So there's some speculation, like, what if it's essentially uh, Galen Merrick from the hmm. Star Wars Force Unleashed game that I didn't play that was, like, voiced in, like, basically motion captured by Sam Witwer, and I think that'd be kind of cool to bring him in that way of like okay we've kind of changed canon around a little bit maybe he's not as powerful but he was the first inquisitor that would that would be cool it'd be a nice connection because they do like bringing in legend stuff to just kind of a little sprinkle yeah. you know to say oh look we still care about you guys we know you like this stuff so here's a little bit of a yeah a little say, bit of snack for you yeah so you can be like there's the grand inquisitor and then there's the first brother who is galen merrick I think that's something you could potentially have in the Bad Batch, is he could, you know, show up as an antagonist in the Bad Batch. Yeah, I was thinking that, too. We get, like, an Inquisitor set up in the show, because 
they're looking for Omega, they're looking for force sensitive kids and the next logical step from that is okay, here are the Inquisitors. Uh-huh. Alright. Any more characters that you'd like to see pop up in something else? That's all I've really got uh, mm-hmm. for you. I think those would be pretty fun. Cad Bane could be a good live oh, yeah. action appearance. Just yeah. little fun. Because when I think about it, I think, okay, some of these characters, no, they're not going to give me like a whole show of Cad Bane, but maybe he gets an episode of Mandalorian or something like that. Because mm-hmm. that could be a fun kind of thing. Like, oh, they were in the Clone Wars, now they're in Mando. And it's like that one is graduating from animated to live action, similar to like Ahsoka did and uh, Katie Sackhoff's character did. Where they're they're popular in the animated form, so they get this stamp of approval by being added into the live action universe. Uh, One character I was going to say that's technically appeared in both animation and live action, but Boba Fett, I'd love for him to appear in the Bad Batch as like this clone, and they're like, Oh, were you a deserter? And he's like, No, I was like basically him being like, I'm not like you. Mm hmm. And so I think. Boba Fett in, you know, his armor and all that showing up in Bad Batch could be cool. Yeah, I'm looking the other direction. I I want a clone in the book of Boba Fett where I can have that conversation of Boba Fett meeting yeah. a clone that's, yeah. you know, what would that emotional journey be like for Boba Fett as a character? He's meeting this person that's essentially his brother, you know, he's, they share the same DNA in all forms, really. But yeah. I could definitely see Captain Rex because you could have to cut down on CGI, you could have, for most of it, have Boba Fett in his armor, and then Tamura Morrison as Captain Rex with no armor. Well, like, no helmet on. And then for, like, a few quick moments, have him take his helmet off, and you can see both of their faces at the same time. I would like that. You know, he shows up in some Tatooine bar or something, and the bartender just happens to be a, a clone. You know, that's yeah. my kind of idea. It's like, yeah, I'm this clone who deserted her. I'm, I got away from Order 66, whatever you want to go with, and I've just been living out here on Tatooine, you know? Yeah. And he says, hello, my name's Cut Laquane. <laughs> yep, you get that crossover. Yep, all right. So I think we've kind of broke down this episode. We've talked about, you know, characters we'd like to see. Uh, any Any final thoughts you want to say to the people? No final thoughts. Happy birthday to The Empire Strikes Back. I think it's 41 years today that we've got that movie, the movie that totally changed Star Wars and really made it into what it is. So shout out to Empire. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the show. Great episode this week. Not one that I'm going to necessarily remember by the end of the season, I don't think. But it was a good time, and I'm excited to see what the next couple episodes are like and what the pacing is going to be like for this yeah, I think it depends. If Fennec Shand comes back two or three times, we'll remember it as the episode where Fennec Shand debuted. But if she comes back once and it's like the season finale, it'll be more like, oh yeah, she was in an earlier episode, wasn't she? But yeah. Alright. So, yeah, have a nice night uh, or day or whenever you're watching this. Come back next Friday, 7.30. We stream live on Twitch. Uh, Twitch.tv slash movie changeup. So, have a nice night.